I am Duncan MacLeod, born 400 years ago in the highlands of Scotland. I am immortal, and I am not alone. For centuries we have waited for the time of the gathering, when the stroke of a sword and the fall of a head will release the power of the quickening. In the end, there can be only one. And welcome back to Let's Watch Highlander. Uh, this is episode number five of season one called Freefall. I am your host, Travis, and with me is Audie. Hey, guys. What's going on? Oh, do you have a good weekend, Audie? Yeah, good weekend. Saw some family, took a dip in the pool. Oh, there you nice. go. So episode five, Freefall. It starts off with a woman looking confused. Well, it starts off with a song and kind of a montage, um, which we'll talk about a little bit later. A woman looking kind of confused on the street wanders into the antique show or antique store, a woman played by Joan Jett, and she comes into contact with Richie, who is immediately smitten with her, gives her his new business card. She uh, leaves and ends up going to a high-rise building and throwing herself off of it. Meanwhile, there's been there's a uh, like a jaguar, a car following her around suspiciously. She throws herself off of the building, apparently committing suicide. We get the return of our friend Stash Kaminsky, who shows up at the antique store, uh, and he is telling them uh, about the woman. And they found Richie's business card on her. They go Duncan and Richie go to the morgue to identify her. She's missing. Bingo, we have ourselves an immortal. Turns out she is a newly found immortal and was very confused and felt drawn to the store. So the story goes. We learn more about her. She gives away some information about herself. Turns out she's not who she claims to be. She seduces Richie and her and Duncan have a fight on the beach to end the episode. Kind of sums it up, I think, pretty well. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, that, that you kind of just whizzed right past our special guest there. Right. So our special guest this week is Joan Jett, and Joan Jett plays Felicia Martins, a quote-unquote new immortal. Uh, that's her claim, anyway. She is the first female immortal in the Highlander franchise in total. Huh, I never thought about that. Yeah, I was reading up on the episode, and uh, not only is she the first female immortal, she's also the first rock star to be in the series, um, which would become a recurring theme. You'd see more and more musicians show up in the series as we go yeah. on. Yeah, we do. <laughs> um, but she, she was the first female immortal. She's the first female immortal to take a head, and she also was the focal point of the flashback, which we'll talk about in a little bit as well. So what now we were talking a little bit in text earlier today. We had some differing opinions. So what did you think of Joan Jett in the episode? I thought she was okay. She wasn't the worst that we've had on here that we've seen so far. But she wasn't great either. Like I think they were definitely thinking of her being Joan Jett and not, you know, another actress. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Look, she wasn't bad by any stretch. Uh, we have seen right. better, but 
one thing that I noticed with her was inconsistency. I thought that her as kind of the quote unquote bad bitch version of Felicia felt more authentic, felt more real to Joan Jett. I didn't buy her as the meek, uh, scared girl at the beginning of the episode. It's just something didn't feel right with it. I don't know if it's the, the way she carried herself, the jet black hair and like the, because they were down, she downplayed her makeup. They were really trying to play her as, you know, this meek character, but I never really bought it, that part of it. However, when she flipped in the flashback and later on in the episode, that felt more real to me. Yeah, it was, it was weird. It's like she couldn't figure out how to play the meek part of her character. Where she was trying to look like, I think it's just one of those things where she was given a direction and she just went that way instead of what some actors would really internalize for like, hey, I'm this evil person and I've got this grand plan, so i got to play it off now. I didn't yeah. feel like she was playing it off as much as just kind of doing it. A little bit, I think, yeah. And uh, Diddy in the chat is saying, duh, it's Joan Jett. Well, yes, it is. But I never bought that even when I was younger, and I still didn't have like a fully realized idea of who Joan Jett was. It just, maybe, I think some of it too is her voice. She's got a very smoky voice from years of screaming mm-hmm. and doing music. So I think that played into it for me as well. Just the way her voice, it didn't sound like the the meat character. Also, I think they really overplayed their hand with her too early in the twist yes. of de- revealing who she really was, I think could have been held longer and played better because of that. I think they just, they laid the cards out a little too early. Yeah, for sure. I think overall she was fine. She's You, you mentioned better than some that we've seen, and I would agree with that. She, I think, was a more believable character than most of the other immortals we had seen to this point in the four, four previous episodes, uh, three of the, which had immortals. I yeah, also she think, almost gets get over the top, but she just comes right up to that line. Yeah, she does. And I think, you know, the, the way the dual personalities that she was portraying helps that too. But also I think physically she was able to pull off the, the role. Um, she, gives off this physicality when when she's doing her training montage with Duncan that I think worked too. Yeah, that she nailed good enough for me. I bought uh, her being able to do that, like play dumb and then later on play like, oh, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, which to be honest, that's really hard to do if you are good at something to p- pretend that you aren't. That's difficult right. to do. And, and especially... If it's something where it's a physical thing that you're trying to pr- pretend to be dumb or or poor at, it's really hard because muscle memory is a real thing. So, mm-hmm. which is a funny little thing I noticed with Richie early on. Yeah. Uh, our other quote unquote special guest was Eli Gabay or Gabby uh, as Devereaux. Um, he's barely in the episode, so there's not a whole lot to say about him. I did, however, like portraying him as the potential bad guy in the way that he's following her around really ominously. They, they show off, you know, he's got the sword in the car and that's sort of when you figure out that he's stalking her more or less. Um, right. But again, the way they did the reveal of Felicia, I just think was a little too early and it, it deprived him of any real 
characterization. He's sort of one note. He has, because the scene with him and Richie is a pretty good scene. He comes in, he's very, you know, he's very demonstrative and really kind of scares Richie a little bit and it works. Mm -hmm. But then the next scene you realize, oh, he's not actually the bad guy. Right. So. Because they play him as a bad guy, but that's not like evil bad guy. Yeah. He's just, I'm a big dude. I'm going to do whatever I want. Right. He did have some horrendous, horrendously awful costuming, though. The The sweatpants that he was wearing or the sweat shorts that he was wearing were very late 80s, early 90s, and they that, <laughs> that look hasn't aged well. Yeah. But, o- so much. you know, overall, for the few minutes that he's in the episode, he's he's fine. We also had uh, Jay Brazo, uh, Brazo come back as Commissioner Kaminsky um, yeah, for Kaminsky. a couple of scenes. Again, I like Powell. I was just going to say, again, he walks in knowing everybody and it's like, did we ever get introduced? Does that matter at all? No, no, not at all. Um, And what's funny is if you go by production order, no, I guess he would have, they would have replaced, we we are doing production order and they they sort of replaced Powell with him. I don't know. I would have rather they just had a different actor playing Sergeant Powell than suddenly it's Commissioner Kaminsky and he's out beating the streets talking to people. Just never felt right. Um, yeah, so that's the special guest for this week, Joan Jett. I, look, I like Joan Jett. I've seen her act in a couple of other things. I think at times she's good and believable in this. I just think the two personalities that she was doing didn't balance out very well. Well, one felt more realistic than the other one. And when it worked, it worked okay. When it didn't work, it was pretty bad. Yeah, and maybe if they had some kind of montage or something to actually show that transformation then it'd be like, okay, I feel like this is the same person. But it felt like a lot more Jekyll and Hyde through the episode. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Are you here in an official capacity or simply to ponder the vicissitudes of the antique trade? Well, we do have a dead woman down at the morgue. So we did have a flashback in this episode, so we're back on that. Uh, Only one, and it actually didn't involve Duncan. Right, it involved our special guests. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't like the placement of this flashback given the material they put in it. So in the flashback, it's revealed that, A, it's uh, it's given away now that Felicia is not the new immortal that she claims to be. Yeah, and there's a reason she's being pursued. Yes. Yep. Um, I didn't, I don't know, I didn't like that reve- that way of revealing her as an immortal that's been around for a lot longer. I also didn't like the, that reveal of her as the villain because now we've basically too early, I think, for a twist like that. They're, they're trying to set this up as a big twist thing. Save that for later. Either don't have her in the flashback, have Devereaux in the flashback, like chasing someone, um, mm-hmm. something like that, to keep that ruse up that he is the villain. Even if it's something where you have her in the flashback, but it's not revealed that she's a bad person. Maybe she just, something happens to her and she has amnesia. Who knows? Like that could be a tropey way to go about it. But in some way that flashback could have done, been done better. I think that's her best part, by the way, acting wise in the whole thing is the way she is in that flashback. Yeah, probably. See, I'm of the mind that the more I think about it, the more I'm like, no flashback. Because it, it just screws up the story. Like you said, it, til- it tilts the story and shows the cards way too early. 
And it's just nothing we need to know that early for this to be a compelling episode. And I don't know, I don't remember if later on in the series there's more flashbacks that don't involve Duncan at all, but this one didn't involve Duncan, so I'm like, maybe not have it. Yeah, it, they definitely did do more flashbacks not involving Duncan later on. You'd see flashbacks with Mythos, you'd see flashbacks with Amanda or some of the other immortals. What I think didn't work for this, it's fine not having Duncan, but it's too early in the it's placed too early in the episode to give away everything they're giving away. And for it sure. Takes, it takes all the teeth out of the reveal. Right. You know, because they have the they have her slipping up about the map. And giving that little tidbit of information away that she drew the map or she somehow knew that. And that's giving Duncan some concern and some suspicion of her. Let that marinate. Let that boil. Don't just, oh, by the way, she's the bad person and she's really evil and has been around for hundreds of years. Like It just it just didn't feel, it felt flat. And it felt too early in the episode to, to put it. I just wasn't a fan of, I think, the production of it, the look and what they portrayed in the flashback was good i just don't think it worked Mm -hmm. where they put it and you're right it didn't really work for this story um there could have been a lot better flashbacks or none at all right or do it later have duncan figure out the map have him interact with Devereaux, and Devereaux's like no she's mine duncan tries to do something or not and then it plays out the way it did yeah that that's a good way to do it so they're you have some sort of a confrontation with Devereaux. You get more character development from him, and then you have you have the flashback revealing who she is, and then you jump right to the scene where she confronts him and kills him. I think right. that works a heck of a lot better than what they did. Yeah. So overall, we had a flashback again, um, and it was it was fine. Yeah, the one totally tiny uh, nitpicky thing I noticed in the costuming. When she's killing Devereaux's wife, it's like there's a little spot of bare back. I'm like, what kind of costume is this? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it didn't really fit the time period, did it? Not exactly. No. At least not on the back. Just who do you think you're pushing around here? You. Oh. Oh. So music in this episode uh, makes kind of a triumphant return as well. We didn't have much in the way of music in Bad Day at Building A. It was all very early 90s syndicated TV like stock canned music we didn't have that here we had a little bit of that but we kick off the episode with Joan Jett and the Blackhearts cover of her song with the Runaways Cherry Bomb because you've got Joan Jett as a you know guest star you gotta use some of her music oh absolutely and Cherry Bomb is such a great song, too, so it was a good one to use. Mm-hmm. I liked yeah. I liked using the, the Joan Jett and the Blackhearts cover because it has Joan doing vocals. It's a good rocking song to start off with. I might have shortened it a little, but other than that, I can't really nitpick. Like, it's a decent opening montage to the episode. Yeah. I thought that was fine. It didn't bother me at all. It didn't bother me. I'm just, I, I'm more or less saying you could have shortened it and given a little more time to the story, but... At the same time, like I say, it's super nitpicky. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we also had a, a quick snippet of Johann Sebastian Bach uh, playing while Devereaux is working out. Um, it's a it's a piece that I won't even try to pronounce, but it's a beautiful <laughs> piece of music. You hear it a lot. It's used a lot, partly because it's um, public domain. 
so it doesn't cost a production anything to use it but it's a beautiful piece of music and you 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 just find it in a lot of uh scenes and i always like it when i hear it nice i didn't uh, think about it was that the same piece he was playing on violin yes okay we had a a new queen or a new to the series queen song uh and it was um don't lose your head nice on the nose title right hey queen i'm never going to complain about queen you want to play a whole queen song over a training montage go for it and that's what they did they used it for Mm -hmm. um duncan takes felicia back to the same warehouse that he trained in with uh, connor in the gathering somehow or another he's got access to this abandoned warehouse so i'm fine with that um he owns the property probably he must However, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a good, it's a fun song. It's not quite to the level of uh, Princes of the Universe or Who Wants to Live Forever, but it's a good, solid Queen song. So I really enjoy it. Yeah. And it's actually from the movie. Like, the, it was written for the soundtrack and they used it. So, yeah. Yep, that's true. So, like, yeah. We got never, this in the back catalog. Let's pull it out. Right. Never going to complain. I'm never going to complain when you use Queen in anything Highlander related or really anything, but. Mm hmm. It just fits. So I, I very much enjoyed that. Richie, the whole world can't revolve around your hormone level. And of course, we have to talk about Richie uh, because it's that time of the episode. Richie, of course. Yeah, we, we've gone a little bit back from the bad day at Building A, Richie. His hair's slightly grown out again, so he's got a little bit more of his blonde curls. And he's trying to be tough guy Richie once again. Yep, he's got that green jacket you love. Oh, yeah. That's actually... So that, for me, is a better piece of kit for him to wear than the flowery shirts with the sleeves rolled up, tight tucked into his jeans that he wears. Because the motorcycle jacket at least makes him look like, well, I I ride a motorcycle and wear my leather jacket, as opposed to those shirts were just... I'm trying to look tough because I tore my sleeves. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think, what what kills his look for me and his tough guy persona is he's trying to be the tough, tough from the street kid. And he's wearing, you know, high waisted, uh, blue jeans and these shirts that just, they look like the straight out of a J crew catalog. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. He, he's a, uh, a relative focal point of this episode there. He's probably in it more than Duncan and he gets, seduced by Felicia and really used by her as a, uh, a pawn in her plan, it works. Yeah, I think it does. Like his idiocy in this episode makes sense for once. Right. You know, we, we've talked a little bit about how other episodes were trying to figure out why is he doing the things he's doing? Why is he making these decisions or going off on his own? And here completely makes sense he's thinking with his pants he's just full of hormones he's got this beautiful woman that suddenly is all over him he's not going to make good decisions right and let's face it if joan jet's going after you it's going to be hard to say no right exactly yeah and then she's telling you know granted yes like the whole oh i'm in i'm in love with you thing i mean you watch that and it's like okay no you're not but again an 18 19 year old kid isn't going to know any better is really going to believe that I think for for me, the ending of the episode where he's at the beach and she comes and meets him there, that whole se- that scene and then right after the fight is some of the best Stan Kirsch work as Richie in the in the season so far. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Just like blindsided by it and then it's like, well, crap. 
Yeah, he's genuinely concerned when she first comes up and then confused. And by the end of it, he has that moment with Duncan where he, he's apologizing. And there's, it's a genuine apology. He really, Rich, Richie really feels bad for what he, what he was a part of and kind of what he was planning to do because he just didn't know any better. And he's, he's like, he wants to make amends for it. And Duncan is so upset that he just walks off, which is rough. And it's a rough way to end the episode, especially for Richie. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. I just, during the fight, I was like, what is Richie doing just standing there? Which is what he tends to do with these guys. But I almost feel like they could have pushed it a little bit more on him and his reaction. True, because he's going to have to stand, like Duncan would have by this time at least explained to him that it's one immortal to a fight, right? So he would know he can't interfere. But the uh, I wasn't a huge fan, and we'll talk. I want to talk about this a little bit of the, the end fight, but I think you could have had more reaction shots of Richie. For sure. How, however, I just, I really loved the book ending of the way he played that part around that final fight. I just think it was believable that he was just like, he honestly thought she loved him and he honestly thought he was running away with her. And then he gets blindsided by it and it's believable. It's some of the most believable work he's done. Yeah, for sure. And he's starting to learn about the immortal life and he wonders, like, I think he wonders if I can't go away and, you know, have this thing with her the way Tessa has her thing with Duncan. Yeah, that too. Yeah, it, it, for the first time, I felt like Stan Kirsch wasn't reading lines. He was playing a character. Right. And it made me it made me like Richie better. So these last two episodes have really helped Richie to be a character that you don't hate anymore. Right? He's mm-hmm. not... Yeah. There's going to be... Again, we've talked about it. There's going to be episodes that we can't stand him. But these were some of the earliest kind of footholds of Richie as like a good, solid character. Right. Even if it is him growing up, going through growing pains, yeah. he did it well. Absolutely. There can be only one. So Freefall, uh, overall, I think a pretty good episode in my opinion. Um, one of the stronger of the first five, for sure. I think it's better than the episode with Dustin Nguyen and the the potion that makes men stronger. I think it's actually a little bit better. I put it on par with innocent man. Yeah, that sounds about right. Cause I think it's, it's innocent man had a better performance from both Sergeant Powell and Vincent Schiavelli. But I think this told a little bit better of a story and it used the, the trope that we'll see more and more of the wolf in sheep's clothing trope that they like to use in this series. Right. This had a much better version of Richie than uh, almost any episode that we've seen so far. Absolutely. Yeah, and Duncan and Tessa aren't even in the episode all that much. Tessa's actually pretty good in this. We didn't really talk about her a whole lot, but she's she doesn't trust Felicia. I I liked her for the little bits that she's in it. It's better than the last few episodes. Uh, Well, no, I take that back. Bad Day at Building A and this are strong Tessa episodes too because she's She's got some agency. She's got some like decision making and she's a strong character. Right. And there's one point where Felicia is going to try and kill her and just kind of not really sneaks up over, but says hi. And then. Oh, yeah. Tessa turns around on her and like, okay, Felicia, do you know who you're messing with? 
Yeah, I know. Tessa doesn't. Girlfriend of the Highlander. Right. Who? Did you see this workshop? (laughs) You need to come swinging. Yeah, if you're going to come at Tessa, you better come correct. She will not mess around. She will. She will attack you with a blowtorch. Which is a great weapon to use, by the way. If you're going to keep somebody away, and and she puts it perfectly. She's like, she knows I'm not going to kill you, but you're not going to be happy when we're done. So just back off, lady. Like, oh yeah, Tessa, go for it. Yeah, exactly. And we had a return to some of the rock and music and some of the best music we've had in the series so far as well with another Queen song, Always a Win, and then the great Joan Jett cover. I mean, like you said, if you're going to have Joan Jett in your episode, use some Joan Jett music, and they did. And I love Cherry Bomb as a song, so that was a nice way to kick off the episode. I mean, it had to be in a contract or something. (laughs) I would think so. But also, too, coming off of an episode like Bad Day at Building A that was very uncharacteristic of the series with no immortal, no flashback, no real like end fight um, that you get, I thought that this was a great way to come back to the formula and kick it off with a montage and some rock music and then bring in your immortals and sword fighting and all that. For sure. Yeah. Um, Good to see some sword fights. Yeah. Yeah. I, although I don't, I didn't love the way they shot the final fight because it was very music video style. Yes. Um, with like repeated shots and it suddenly sort of morphed into black and white and that, that didn't do anything for me. I, yeah, there, I had a weird filter on the yeah. thing there. So I ex- that's what I wrote down at one point. Is this a music video now? Yeah, I I didn't care for that. I think the choreography that we saw was good. I think they should have just let the choreography speak for itself and let it be a fight. But Right. Because I think Joan Jett held her own. She, she looked fine. She looked competent with the sword. Yeah, she did all right. Although I still was wondering the whole episode, why is Duncan giving her an expensive sword to begin with? Yeah, that was a little weird. He's just dropped, what was it, $200,000 on that sword? Something yeah, they mentioned. I, he just acquired it. He's talking about how it's a work of art, and he's praising Masamune and all this, and then he just gives it to her and cuts it in half at the end of the episode. That, to me, yeah. was a little weird, too. Very weird. Some kind of weird... I don't know, product placement, but then you cut the sword in half and it's like, yeah, that wouldn't be good product placement. No. No, it, they did have some good explanation from Duncan of the dragon head katana and what it meant to him and why he was choosing that over this ancient antique and all of that. So I did enjoy that part of it, but he could right. have easily given her any number of swords and it would have been fine. He didn't have to give her this one he just acquired. That seemed a little weird. Mm-hmm. And is this the first time in the series, I can't remember, that we're actually getting a definition of the gathering and the quickening? Like, I know we kind of glossed over with Tessa in the first episode, but, like, at one point he tells Felicia about it, like, the gathering, what happens when there is one left? Yes, this would be the first time since the gathering episode that they mentioned it, really, um, and they talked about it, and they do go a little more in-depth with it. I, and they were finding their footing. We did get mm-hmm. our first instance of the tingle, the sound. Yes. We find, we got that up, now. That close up on the face. Yes. So that, that made me giddy when I was watching it. I was like, Oh yes, finally five episodes in. That's when they, they nailed that. And that's yeah. pretty much the, the way they would do it for the rest remainder of the series was that same mm-hmm. kind of push in and that same sound effect. So yeah, I was pretty geeked about that. 
I give yeah, this one we'll up. We'll see it later on. But I love to when there's two immortals and they're having a tingle and they're looking around like, where are you? Where are you? Yeah. Yeah, that's always good. I mean, I give this one a solid B grade. Um, I think it's better than a couple that we've seen, but the ser- you know, the series is starting to find its footing. It's getting they're understanding Richie and using the idiocy of a young kid better in this episode. You've got a, a strong uh, opponent for Duncan, even if it's, you know, the wolf in sheep's clothing and it's supposed to be like him training somebody, but then realizing, you know, she's not who she claims to be. It's a stronger opponent. It's not a perfect episode. There's certainly things we've talked about we would have done differently, but overall, solid B for me. Yeah, I would agree with that. And again, I come back to him throwing you early in the series because, yes, Felicia takes a head, but then at the end, Duncan does not. Right. He spares her for whatever reason, you know, thinking maybe she'll reform. But I, I got the feeling that, like, no, she's just going to come back and we're going to kill her anyways. But for this episode, he spared her. And then he walks off and Richie walks off like there's not the Saturday morning let's resolve this episode. It just kind of ends in a kind of ambiguous way. And yes. I was cool with that. I was too, because they did sort of a similar ambiguous ending to Bad Day at Building A, but that one felt tacked on and weird. Like it didn't make it didn't fit or make sense to me. This one mm-hmm. felt made more sense to me. Because I think the way I view that is Duncan isn't walking off because he's upset that he had to fight Felicia or let her live or anything. I think he is more upset with himself and Richie for not seeing Felicia for what she was soon enough. Right. And especially with the game coming to him now mm-hmm. and he's back in it. He's like, man, I got to do better than this. Yeah. So Maybe next time it is my head. Right, he's upset with that, and he, you know, for in a, in a way, he's upset with Richie and disappointed with Richie because he he feels probably like he should be training Richie and teaching Richie better on how to read people. Right, for sure. So, and I wonder if he almost needs to teach him how to fight some. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Overall, good good episode. Um. So next week we have coming up it is episode six and what is the deadly medicine oh yes this has another good special guest we'll wait until next week to reveal you have to wait folks you're gonna have to wait but trust me it's worth waiting yeah so that's coming up next week for let's watch highlander uh So that's what's coming up next week on Let's Watch Highlander. And until then, I am Travis. And I am Audie. And there can be only one hundred and fourteen more episodes. Sure. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>